What I would like to talk about today is the work of the Father. Uh, you know, uh, w- with an idea of what about those that has never heard the gospel. Now, in my um, travels, I've come to realize that there is a thing in the minds of people where you, people are either in the law or they in the gospel or they're in a message where they try to explain the love of God by saying, you know, that even if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you can be saved. Which I don't agree with. I don't agree with that. Because the Bible doesn't have it, it's not in the Bible. But one of the biggest questions was this. What about those that never heard the gospel? And I've tried to answer that for a very long time and 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 I couldn't, Answer it, but I believe the Lord has shared with me how that works, and how this work was. I was in a uh, in in a group last uh, uh, last week, and and this question came up, and as I answered it, it was just by the Holy Spirit, and then I listened to my own answer, and it, I was so blessed with the answer, <laughs> and went and studied it out a bit, you know, and uh, I believe that uh, in sharing this, this is not to say, well, you know, God is a God that wants to send people to hell and, and um, you know, wants to separate him from people. This is not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, now explain is how the Father works. And I believe when we understand this, you will uh, have a, 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 a wonderful unction in working with God and, and seeing how we work together. Amen. Now, um, I've, I've always said with us, you know, there are people in the Africa bush, there are people that died in the 1200s, 1300s, that's never heard the gospel. You know, it would be unfair for God to say to them, listen, you know, because you have not heard the gospel and some preacher has not reached your place, therefore I'm sorry for you, you know, you're not going to make it. Because the concept we have is this, that nobody knows anything unless we've preached to Him. But that is not true. That is not true. And we're going to look at that in Scripture. Right. Um, Let's read uh, um, about Paul on the road to Damascus. It says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Now remember, Paul was not a believer. He was not a believer. And Jesus said here something. He said, it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city and I will... um, And it shall be told you what you must do. So here Paul comes and he's on his way to Damascus and he is persecuting the church. He is against the church. So he's not a believer in Jesus. And then Jesus appeared. He fell off his horse. Jesus said to him, Paul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus who you persecute. And I see it's very difficult for you to kick against the pricks. Now, what is this, this, this uh, uh, pricks? We have a look at the, at, at the pricks there. <clears throat> let's look at, um, it says, a sting. Like, let's go to point two. It says, an iron goad for urging on oxen, horses, and other beasts of burden. 
Okay, so it's an iron goad. A goad was like what we use call a prodder. You get animals, and if you want them in a certain direction, you take this prodder, this electric prodder, and you prod the animal in the direction it should go. Because it's on a wrong path, and you are directing it into the right path. Okay? And then you'll find some of the animals are very stubborn, and they will kick against the prick that there is. So, what we can see from this is that in the heart of Paul, there was a definite prick. Look at this, this definition of pricks there. It says, um, a point or center that is a sting figuratively poison. I'm not going to explain this because nothing to do with this now. A goad, figuratively divine impulse. Okay, so what is a, a, a prick in the heart? It is a divine impulse. Divine means godly. Okay, a godly impulse in the heart. So here was Paul, and he was persecuting the church, and then there was a divine impulse, a divine prick in his heart. And what does this prick do? It shows you in which direction you must go. Okay? It shows you you must go in this direction and not in that one. So here was Paul, knowing in his innermost being that what he's busy with is wrong. It's not right. Now, the strongest way in which you can ever speak to anybody is by his emotion or feeling in the depth of his being. It's much louder, much clearer than an audible voice. Okay? Unless a person in his heart... You you know, um, if you look at your life and how you got into, the say, the message of grace or even into the gospel... You know, when you first received Jesus your Lord, there was something inside you that said, listen, this way can't be the way. You felt what I'm busy with can't be it. There must be something else. There must be something more. Maybe it came with the emotion of guilt. Maybe it came with, I don't know what to do. And when somebody invited you and said, listen, come to the meeting, you know, you, your mind maybe said, no, don't go there. But there was something in your heart that pulled you, that has drawn you. And that's what the Bible says, nobody can come to Jesus unless the Father draws him. Now I'm going to explain that today. It's going to be so awesome. So in other words, the Father, this is Father's Day today. And what I want to say about our Heavenly Father is, He is not lazy. He's at work drawing people to the real gospel. Drawing people by telling them with a prick, a divine influence upon the heart. That's what grace is. It's a divine influence upon the heart. Uh, It is a divine guidance in the inner being. I remember when I was still, um, you know, uh, preaching works righteousness, you know, Helena and I would sit and talk and we would say, you know, this can't be it. When we were under the teaching of tithing and sowing and reaping, even while I was preaching it, there was something in my heart telling me, this is not right. This is not right. And before I yielded and said, so there was this prick, this is not right. Then I resisted the prick. I was like Paul. I was kicking against the prick. If somebody would come and say to me, listen, no, you, you, you don't have to tithe, you know, I, I, would, I would not be able to hear him. Because I've already disobeyed the inner voice. 
So I was not rejecting what the man says, for what the man says was only a confirmation of what God says. And because I have resisted God in my heart, I can't hear Him. Okay, so it would actually be a waste of time for a person to even, and, and, and please don't fall off the chair when I say this, I'll explain everything. It, it, it will actually be a waste of time to share with somebody that's already rejected God in his heart with a much louder voice than the voice of God in his innermost being. I mean, young people, when I was a young person in school, there was something in my heart that prompted me and said to me, Bertie, you know, um, there's a God out there. This way is not the right way. The way I was prodded when I was in school is, um, I went to the Dutch Reformed Church, and I'm not against the Dutch Reformed Church, but I want you to say what happened to me. I went to the Dutch Reformed Church at the age of, now some people do it differently, some people can't remember exactly how they were prodded by God, but I can remember. I remember I was in grade Two, they asked the kids, who of you are going to heaven? Everybody put up their hand, but I didn't put up my hand. They asked, uh, she said to me, but Bertie, aren't you going to heaven? I said, no. Now this is what I said. I said, Akistus Toad. Okay. I'm too naughty. What, you know, I, I was a child, I didn't know how to articulate it, but what, I, what my innermost being was actually saying, it was responding to the prodding of God, which says, this system cannot save you. God was saying to me, you don't qualify by the system. It was a prodding. I was looking for something. I didn't know what I was looking for, but there was an inner voice speaking to me, prodding me, like, like with Paul, like the Apostle Paul. And then when I was about 17 years of age, after I've been accepted, I was angenium voorgestel, I could use communion, the whole thing. You know, then I, I spoke to my nephew, and we were speaking about God. And he said, you know, there's more than one way to God. You don't only have to be a Christian. And then, because there was a prodding in me, that this way of which I'm being taught of, obeying Ten Commandments and doing all those things, is, uh, there was something in me telling me, that is not the way. You can't be saved that way. Then I was looking for something else. And this is where the Bible says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What it means is, inside you there's a prodding telling you, this system cannot make you righteous. This works for if you're a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Hindu, a Hare Krishna, I don't care if you're an atheist. There's a thing inside you, a prodding inside every human being, and I'm going to prove it from Scripture now, that says to every human, this is not the way. This is not the way. And those who start to seek, in other words, who says, I agree, this is not the way. You, you maybe don't say it with those words, I agree, but you start to look for something else. It's, a ma- it's, it's just a matter of time when, before you'll find this gospel that we're preaching here. I went and I studied out Eastern Meditation. Okay, and I went, I wasn't in it for a long time, just Eastern meditation. And then I heard the prodding again one day. I saw a vision of heaven and hell. And I was seeing of how I walk to heaven, but I go to hell. Now, that was not God sending me to hell. It was the prodding saying, what you're busy with can never bring you life. What you're busy with, this is where you will end. It, it is not a place of life. It's a place of destruction, you know. And then I still didn't know how... Uh, how to get saved. 
I went to my mom. My mom sent me to a preacher to speak to me, this, uh, this preacher, and, and I'm also friends with his son today on Facebook. Um, he, he came with, with a, a very universalistic kind of an approach to me. And, and, and he said to me, but Bertie, your parents are saved, therefore you are saved. He says, you're a member of the church, therefore you are saved. He says, do you believe that there's somebody like Jesus? I said, yes. You know, I, I, I mean, in my, my concept of many ways to God, obviously I believe there's somebody like Jesus, but I also believe in other things, you know. And he said to me, if you believe that, you are saved. And, he, and while he was talking, it felt a bit better, you know. And then he prayed for me. I left the building, and as I walked out of the church, these were my words. There was a prodding in me again. It didn't work. It didn't work. And there was this prodding. And, and, and then I said, well, and I prayed. I said, God, this didn't work. I need to be saved. You see, you cannot be saved without the gospel. You need the message of the gospel to be saved. The prodding doesn't save you. The prodding gets you to the place where you can hear that which saves you, which is the message of Jesus. And when you believe in it, then you get saved, which is the gospel of God's grace and His influence and the innocence of man. I was always sitting with this prodding in me. How can Jesus pay for the sin of the whole world and do everything for us, you know, but we must still do things to get Him to bless us? There was just a prodding in me that says this cannot work. And the moment we come in agreement with that, where we say, well, it can't work. I don't know what the answer is, but it can't work. It's a matter of time and a short time before you'll see the truth. And here I, 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 I saw this vision the vision couldn't save me. The vision was just a prodding. I went and I saw a, a placard on a tree. That placard said there's going to be a gospel outreach. There was a prodding inside me again saying, go there. Now, I didn't hear a voice go there. I just felt I really need to go there. And then I went. And there the gospel was preached. And I could accept Jesus as my Savior. And I could accept what He's done for me. And then I got saved. So, God was the first preacher. Not Jan de Wet who preached to me. He was the second preacher. The Father was the first preacher. And he preaches, for, he preaches in the heart of every man. Right, let's, let's read the next verse there. Um, the work of the Holy Spirit in connection with unbelievers. <clears throat> and when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin... Of righteousness and of judgment. So the world will be reproved of sin, righteousness and judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. The word reprove. To convict, refute, confute. Generally, with a suggestion of shame of the person convicted. By conviction, to bring to light, to expose, to find fault with or to correct. Okay, uh, uh, 2A2, it says, to call to account, to show one his fault. So, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit shows the world their fault. What is their fault? I'm going to show them their fault, I'm going to show them their sin, for they believe not in me. So, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit, in, for the whole world, in other words, the Spirit was poured out upon all flesh. Isn't it? Acts chapter 2. What does the Holy Spirit do upon all flesh? It shows every person that does not believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ that what you believe is not the truth. 
that does not come through preaching, that does not come through, through a cognitive understanding. It is what, Paul, what happened to Paul, it is a prick in the heart. It is a divine pointing into a certain direction. Where it says, what I believe here, to my mind it makes sense, to, I've been brought up in this church, I've been brought up in this religion, but there must be something else. Yeah. We've heard testimony upon testimony of Muslims living in the, Afri- living in the Africa bush, Muslims living in Muslim countries, Jesus appearing to them. Why would Jesus appear to certain Muslims and not to others? No one can come to Jesus... Unless the Father draws him. And I'm going to explain that now. That is such a beautiful verse. I'm going to tell you what I'm, what I'm about to say about that verse. gives me such a boldness to preach this gospel unashamedly. You know, I was always, you know, I get trouble every now and then. You know? A little bit of trouble every now and then for the stuff I say. They say, I'm too radical. Like I got into trouble for saying, the gospel is about you sitting down and God serving you. And I got in big trouble for that. You can get in trouble for telling people that you must sit down and allow God to serve you. You can get in trouble for saying that the law system and being justified by works is satanic. You can get in trouble for that. But I, when I realized, you know, that this radical statement that I said is not what, what, what pushed people away, because a radical statement can't push anybody away. We're gonna, I'm going to prove it from Scripture. It's beautiful. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, the, what is the Holy Spirit? He reproved the world of righteousness. He says, because I've gone to my Father. So he tells the world, listen man, you cannot be righteous by owning this big car. This big car doesn't... It's like you can get how many people, you know, you can look at a businessman, he makes good money, he gets a big business, gets a nice house, gets a nice car, but when he's in there and he's got it all, he feels empty. He feels this doesn't work, this doesn't meet the need. That is the prompting of the Father. That's the Father showing him. And when he obeys that inner voice by saying, well, this cannot satisfy me. I want the thing that can satisfy me. It's just a matter of time before you'll get to the gospel. That person that said that, you call that the harvest that is ripe. Then God sent in a harvester to harvest that harvest. For the sheep hears his voice. Okay, we're going to explain those things. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, who comes to Jesus? Um, The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which comes down from heaven. And they said, is, this not, um, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not amongst yourselves. Okay, verse 44, I've duplicated there. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Now he's going to explain what drawing is. It is written in the prophets, and they shall, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that he heard and has learned of the Father comes unto me. That's beautiful. That's another beautiful place. No, see. Okay. I see you cake. Uh, Dieter was looking at me with so vast a I don't know. So, 
Okay, brother. Thank you. You've already humiliated me once. So, <laughs> no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent, uh, sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Now, what is this drawing? Listen to this. It, as it's written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. So who's taught of God? All people. Who are the they? It, listen, check here. It says, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. Okay? As is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that has heard and has learned of the Father comes unto me. So, what does the Father do? He teaches every man. Every man hears the prompting in the heart. Every human being on the planet. But when you learn from that, in other words, when you, uh, that word learn means gain knowledge. If you say, well, I'm learning. The, the, the Father is talking to me. It's like with me when I was in school. I felt in my heart, this is not the only way. God showing me in the prompting in my inner heart. I thought it was just my rebellious thoughts. This is not the way. There must be something else. There must be something more. And then I learned from it. I obeyed it. How did I learn from it? I said, well, I'm going to look for something else now. Yeah. They come to Jesus. Yeah. And then the voice of the Father and the voice of the person who preaches the gospel of God's love is the same voice. That's why when a person comes into the presence of the preaching of that message of God's unconditional love, mercy and grace and not condemnation and all those kind of things, then he says, I feel a resonance in my heart. Because it's the same frequency that spoke in the beginning. That frequency says the law system is wrong. Condemnation is wrong. He says, righteousness is not by the scar, it's by something else, you know. The prince of this world, inside us there's something that says, this world system must be conquered in some way. There must have been some victory somehow, you know. And when you can obey that unction by saying, I'm learning from this, I'm getting to knowledge, I'm gaining knowledge, and I'm in agreement with this knowledge, you find that person can come to Jesus. So when you preach to him, he says, yes. Now, in a crowd, you know, a guy can bring his friend, to, or you can, he can watch a television thing. The one has already obeyed the voice of the Father or gained knowledge. The other one is still kicking against the pricks. That's why the one will say yes, and the other one will say no. So let, and this is what I want to say, the Father has been preaching all the time. Now, what is that draw? Let's look at that word draw. To draw, to drag off, metaphorically, to draw by inward power. Hallelujah. <laughs> How does the Father draw you by inward power? It's a feeling, an idea you get inside you that this is not the way. And I want to tell you, you know, there are some of us that sit here, you've got family members and you are thinking, am I preaching good enough? Am I sharing good enough? Maybe they got offended because I said it the wrong way. Maybe I should have said it this way. Maybe I should have said it that way. Whoa, relax, relax, relax. Jesus said here, He said, the, the context of this was he was now getting some disciples to follow him after a while. The ministry has grown from 12 to 70. Okay? It's going well with Jesus' ministry. And now he comes and he spoils the whole thing by saying something very radical. 
He said, I am the bread of life that comes from heaven. Then they murmured amongst each other. The one said, now how can this be? The other disciples murmured because they said, was it necessary for him to say these words? Because these words are going to push people away. Then Jesus says, why do you murmur amongst each other? No one can come to me unless he's obeyed that drawing. So the, so the coming to me is not determined in how radical I speak or not speak. And he proved it. He went on further. And then he said, if, then he went even more radical to prove his point. He said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Then they said, this is a too hard word. And they left. Then Jesus showed the disciples, says, don't you also want to leave me? Then they said, where shall we go? In other words, there was an inner voice that said, all the other things is wrong. This is the only right thing. And we have come here now. Now this thing tells us, go away. Where, where shall I go? With you. Are the words of life. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? That is beautiful. This is that inner drawing inside a person. So Jesus said, listen, if they're offended, if I, if I say you don't have to tithe to be blessed and somebody is offended, listen, it doesn't matter how beautiful I try to explain it. He doesn't want to hear what I say. And that's also in John, John chapter 8. Jesus says to his disciples in John 8, he says, you have, the Bible says, and people believed upon him. Then he says, you must continue in my word. What he was meaning there, take this word and apply it in every area of your life. Then, then he said to them, those, and, and he said some difficult things for them, for them to understand. And then he says, you know what? You cannot understand my speech, for you don't want to hear what I say. I was at a leaders meeting in the week, you know, where I spoke to was just pastors and their wives from Pentecostal circles. So, uh, uh, two, two people there, two couples weren't blessed with what I said, but the rest were. There was 12 couples. And I was so happy to see the joy on these people's faces when they hear the gospel. But the one guy... When I started to speak about family life and how God loves us and how God doesn't condemn us and whatever, I could immediately see he's pushing away. And then at the end he says, can he ask a question? I said, yes. He says, do you believe in sowing and reaping? I haven't even spoken about money. I've got nothing to do with money. All I'm trying to say is, God is a father that cares for his children. And let God be a father and you be a child. The child is not supposed to do the job of the father. The child is not into the provision side of things. The father is. And we enjoy what he provided for us. All we do is we believe our mind is at rest at who this father is. Amen. That's all I preach about. But this guy's hearing, sowing and reaping. Now how does those things connect to each other? You see, he cannot understand my speech for he cannot hear what I'm saying. For what I'm saying is God is a father and he provides for you, you can rest. He doesn't want to hear that. Because he doesn't want to hear that, he cannot understand anything I'm trying to say. Because there was for 60 years that this guy's old, 50 years of what he can remember, a prompting in his heart already towards this gospel and he has been rejecting this all the time now he says if they reject you don't worry it's because they've rejected me 
So I'm not going to be offended when somebody doesn't accept my speech. I'm not going to try and change my life and feel guilty every time I preach to think, well, how am I not going to try and get this thing better into this person? No. A goeie begryper, ek net een halve woord nodig. Amen. You know, I didn't even need a very good gospel, you know, for me to receive Jesus. Because I, I didn't even care. Did he use the right word here or didn't he use the right word there? There was only one thing I said, I want to accept the Lord. And I want to accept what he's done. I want to make use of it. Okay? Because there was a preacher that preached before Jan de Wet ever preached to me. His name is Father God. For he loves his children. And he's not going to use a mediocre way in convincing people. Let me tell you, if it's just about cognitive reasoning, it will be like trying to reason with an atheist about the gospel. Nobody would be able to believe. Imagine there's no inner drawing in anybody on the planet. There's no father who pre-preaches the message. People will say... Do you want to tell me a guy that hanged on a wooden pole 2,000 years ago outside Jerusalem can save me today from my financial stress? Are you crazy? Isn't it? But the reason why we fall into these foolish things, we are learned people, we get people with degrees, people with, you know, doctor degrees and engineers and, and intelligent people that have studied come to the conclusion that I am believing in God. I'm believing in God. Why will a person that will take normal things in this life, just the normal things in this life, which seems to prove that there's no God, say, I overlook all those things that doesn't make sense to my mind, you know, but I'm going to believe in the gospel. Because there's an inner witness, there's an inner voice that's louder than anything that this world can throw at you. Should you decide to rebel against that voice, I mean, what can we do? So, that leaves us with a question on... I'm going to just read this version of Afrikaans. Uh, again, Afrikaans sometimes is better. Dit is geskryf in die profete, en hulle sal allemaal dier God geleer wees. Elkeen dan, wat dit van die Vader gehoor en geleer het, kom na my toe. So what does it mean? God teaches all people. There's not a person on the planet that's not taught by God. Those that hear, that what does it mean? Everybody hears. But what's the next word? En geleerheid. Those that hear and obey. Those that hear the inner voice and learn from it. Gain knowledge from it. Just hearing only cannot do it. Hearing and saying, I'm getting more knowledge. The knowledge I'm getting is this reading of the Ten Commandments every time before the service, it just doesn't make sense. I've been in church now so long, I've named the seed, I've claimed the seed, I've marked it, I've parked it. There's just something, there's something wrong with this thing. Something's not good. This thing of we, in my mind, you know, even before I got this revelation, there was something in my mind thinking, here's the Almighty God, and you know, a lot of my messages does not come from um, reading a scripture and then getting a revelation. It comes from an inner prompting, and then I get the scripture in line with the prompting. This is a prompting. 
one of the messages I preach. If God is a father and he has children, then it must be like me having children. And I don't have kids for the purpose of serving me. I didn't hear that somewhere from somebody in a book or anything. It was the prompting of God in my heart. Okay. And then you go and look at, then you find scriptures in line with the prompting which says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. You find that we love him for he first loved us. You find many scriptures which, which connects the church with Jesus in marriage. In Ephesians, saying, talking about marriage, but I'm talking a mystery. This is actually talking about the church, you know, and Christ. Then he talks about the beauty of intimacy between a husband and a wife and how fruit comes forth out of this intimacy and how the husband serves the wife and how the wife submits to the husband, meaning allowing him to love her in a way that's natural and easy for him. You start to see all these things. Why? Because there was first an inner voice. There was first an inner voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's how we work with God. Because God's relationship with you, this is another radical thing you can say, but if people are offended because of the radical thing I'm saying now, that I'm going to say now, it is because you have not obeyed the voice yet. So if you're offended at this, I can do nothing. I can just say it. By saying nice and and stroking you on this is not going to help you anyway. God does not have a relationship with you through the Bible. He's got a personal relationship with you and then in the Bible it can be confirmed. The preaching of grace or even radical truth statements. I don't want to say radical statements. Radical truth statements. Um, So I do believe there is maybe a method in which we do things that can offend somebody. But truth does not offend. Truth exposes offense. Truth does not offend. Truth exposes offense. Because we've already been offended in our hearts with this prompting of God. And now this word comes. Imagine now, I'm a pastor of a church. And now I've got a big church. We've got this big concern running. And, and we need to get this thing going. You know, and we must keep it going. So, and this is how it works normally in church. People, we want more people. Why do we want more people? Because if we get more people, I feel I'm doing the call of God. Because I've been called to have a church of 5,000. There's no such a thing as being called to have a church of 5,000. If you're watching me on the internet, you've got a church of 5,000. I'm not saying you're not called. But there's no such a thing as a calling to say, God called me to have a church of 5,000. You're just lying. There's one calling, and that is to preach. We've got only one ministry, the ministration of reconciliation, wherein we testify that nobody is guilty before God, for God took away the sin of every human being in the Lamb of God. I found you can get in trouble for saying the Lamb of God took away the sin of the whole world. (laughs) Now, if you say that and people are offended at that, they're not offended at me. They're offended at the voice in them, for there's something in them that was already telling them, listen, you are innocent. There's something, some yearning, God must be a good God. How many people have I found, after preaching to them, they say, I always knew that God was good. I always knew it. How? By intuition, by the inner draw, by the prick on the heart, by the prodding of the Father, through the Holy Spirit. 
telling them all the time, this condemnation, this thing, is not the truth. There's something else. Amen. So imagine this guy now, he's at the big church, he's got a vision, God called him to have a church of 5,000. Okay, let's say it's like that. Right. So, now you get 5,000. So I fulfilled my call, but I must keep it going. To run a church of 5,000, you need millions every month. So now, we need the money. How are we going to get the money? People equals money. So now we need our alcohol to come, yo. If he doesn't come every Sunday, even if he just put in a 20, 20 rand or a 50 rand, 5,000 times 50 is a lot of money. So they must, now you start to preach on commitment. Come faithfully to church. Don't neglect the gathering of the brethren. Come on. There is a scripture that says that, but that is not what the scripture implies. The, the, the context is, don't neglect the gathering where the gospel of God's love is preached so that you will not lose the understanding of the gospel and be bombarded with stuff on the outside which wants to bring confusion, but that you can stay in the message of God's unconditional love that you are not tricked into thinking that by works righteousness you can be saved. That's what that verse means. But now, this whole thing changes, you know. Now imagine now I'm that pastor. Now a young guy comes, 18 years of age. And he starts to preach a message on the unconditional love of God. The moment he says unconditional. While I was building my 5,000 seater and I saw how people got hurt through the system and I saw I had to fire people and hire others and how I have to have an advertising campaigns and, and how this is actually a big business. I see all of that. But while I was doing that, there was a prompting in me saying, listen, this is not the way. This is not the way. But I, ref- I refused it. I refused it. I was still pushing. I'm not saying you can't have a big church. I'm just saying, you know, let the church be as big as what it can be. Let it be a million, but not at the expense of the gospel and of the character of God. Amen. So now I said, well, I've, I've, I've been pushing against this thing all, all the time. Now an 18-year-old comes and he says, I want to talk today about the unconditional love of God. The pastor is already angry when you've said unconditional. My goodness, if these people hear unconditional, do you know what it means? I'm going to get 4,000. And 4,000 equals bankruptcy. That's what Jesus says. Those who have an ear to hear. Let him hear. So if you've got an ear to obey the inner prompting, here's something that you can hear now which can save you. So the inner voice doesn't save. The inner voice guides. The gospel saves. Amen. Right. So, that answers the question quite well. What about those that never heard? What are you talking about? Never heard. Well, tell me God never speaks to people. Who are we sent for? He that hears you, hears me. He that despises you, despises me. And he that despises me, despises him that sent me. So, who are we sent for? We are sent to preach to those that has obeyed the inner voice to reap the harvest. That's what we sent for. 
Maybe this guy hasn't obeyed today, then I'm not there for him. I'm there for the one who has heard the voice. And then we reap the harvest. Next week another preacher comes past. And maybe this guy has now responded. Then, then he gets reaped. Isn't it? So the focus is, all of a sudden, this takes all condemnation out of the heart of the guy who shares the gospel. What if he doesn't accept? Listen, it's not an indication of rejecting you. Jesus heard that they had cast him... Uh, this, is, this is such a beautiful verse there. Let's read from verse, verse 39. This guy was cast out of the synagogue after Jesus healed him and everything. And, and, and they, didn't, they refused to believe in Jesus even while seeing a miracle. This guy, Jesus speaks to him and he asked and said, uh, sorry, uh, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, said unto him, Do you believe on the Son of God? Now listen how this guy obeys the inner voice. He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? So this guy doesn't know who he is. But there's something inside him that says, You need to believe on the Son of God. You cannot save yourself. You need to believe on someone. And Jesus said unto him, You have both seen him, and it is he that talks to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. Beautiful. John 10, verse 1. Very, very, I say unto you, He that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now that's a small s there. Talks about a pastor who goes through the way of Jesus Christ. To him the porter opens and the sheep hears his voice. Let me just give you a bit of background here. This comes from John 9, where Jesus had a lot of people following him and not following the Pharisees anymore. And now he's speaking to the Pharisees. He says to the Pharisees, listen guys, you know why I've got many followers? Because the sheep has got an inner voice. And your voice is strange to them. But my voice is in Resonance with the inner voice. That's why you can't lead them out. The only voice, the sheep, the people that respond to the inner voice can listen to is the message of Jesus going through the door. When you go through the door, those, the, the sheep, the people who said, and this is how sheep is defined, the sheep are those that say, I say, I need someone to believe in. Show me the right one that I might believe on him. If you come over the, over the wall and you shout through Moses, you don't use the door Jesus, you come by Moses or you come by Buddhism or you come by whatever, the guy is not going to listen. That's why I said to the Pharisees, that's why you don't have followers. You don't have followers. The reason why you don't have followers is because when the true light came, they're not going to follow you anymore. They're going to now follow me. You had a lot of people in bondage, but now they're going to be led out by me for the voice that I speak is something that they can hear. My sheep hear my voice and by no way will they follow a stranger. And I want to say this to people all over the world, you know. Don't be upset with me if I preach grace in your church, you know, or the people hear grace on the internet, and then they don't want to support your ministry anymore. Or if they want to leave, they will not follow the voice of a stranger. That is the way it is. If I'm the stranger, they will not follow me. If you're the stranger, they will not follow you. That is the way it is. Amen. So let us rather take the gospel for what it truly is and preach it for what it is. Inside you there's a voice. Let us 
And if God's been talking to you for a long time, yield to that voice, man. It is the truth. Why resist it all the time? To the point that, and this is what he says there, it brings, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. It's painful to kick against the prick. You know that prodder, if you continue to push against it, they use a sharp rod. This thing's hurting you after a while. Just give over. To him the, the porter opens, listen to this, but, verse, verse 2, but he that hears, he that enters into, in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Calls them by name, by who they really are, for inside them there's something different. I can't be called this bad anymore, there must be something good. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Listen to this. This is now Stephen being stoned. This is what he preached. But Solomon built him a house. And how be, how be it, the Most High dwells not in temples made with hands, as says the prophets. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Quoting Psalm, uh, uh, I think, uh, Isaiah 66. This has not my hand made all these things. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do you. See, and this is not, I'm not talking to you. I'm trying to explain how the gospel is being preached all over the world. God speaks to people in their hearts. Some accept, some reject. Here's the one guy, who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? Here are the Pharisees, seeing even the crucifixion of Christ, seeing his resurrection, after he was resurrected, then made a lie about his resurrection to deceive even more. He says, you are resisting the Holy Spirit. That is the sin against the Holy Spirit. Because there's an inner voice drawing you. And resisting that, this is why the Bible says, and that sin cannot be forgiven. Because what it means by forgiveness there is, if you reject the inner voice, the call into your very being, that speaks every fiber of your being, unto the only way where you can be saved, forgive means, how can you be separated from that choice? You can never be separated from that choice. Amen. So we don't resist the Holy Spirit. I'm going to end off now. With, I'm not going to read that one. I want to go to the Macedonian call. This to me is so beautiful. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord has called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Okay, so what was the vision he saw? He saw a man from Macedonia calling him. The message says he stood on the other side of the ocean saying, come over to our side and help us. Okay, a man calling. What was this? I believe it was people that was responding to the inner voice. When they responded to the inner voice, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You cannot call upon his name if you have not heard about him. You cannot hear if somebody doesn't preach. 
and he preaches the gospel. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there are people that God sees in their heart, they are responding. It's like the people on Mars' Hill in Acts 17. They built many shrines and stuff to false gods and then one place of sacrifice to the unknown God. Now why would they build one to the unknown God? Because in them there was something saying, there is, we've got all these gods, but they cannot satisfy. There is still a God that we don't know. Then Paul came and said, your prophets were right when they said. And he quoted their prophets, and then talking about the unknown God. Where did they come with the concept of the unknown God? It was the prompting of the Father. And that's why he said, in the Old Testament, you know, people say, but in the Old Testament, after people died, they could get saved and everything. But Acts 17 says, God has overlooked the time of ignorance. But now, there is an inner voice in every man, prompting every man to accept Jesus, pointing him to Christ. So we don't even, the question, what about those that died and never heard the gospel, is a wrong question. The question is wrong. Because everybody hears, everybody is taught of the Father. Everybody. Responding to to it brings you into the Macedonian call. Then God gives Paul a vision. These people are ready. Go there and preach to them. Then they can accept the gospel. So I want to tell you, uh, 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 and, and this teaching, uh, it, it excites me so much in this sense. Now, it's as if I'm more aware of the inner voice in my heart. To do things for people. To help people. Because he is a God that is actively involved as father. He's not an absent father with a Jesus that's just trying to get the angry father away from people. He is a in father that's more involved today in your life. I almost want to say as what Jesus is. He's actively involved every day through the Holy Spirit, prompting you, pushing you in a certain direction. Amen. And he works in other people's hearts. It's like the other I said to Helena, listen man, I feel in my heart, let's put 2,000 rand into somebody's account in Zambia. I know that guy needs the money now. Because in him, there was a prompting maybe to go, there was somebody in the bush there that was ready to hear this message. Because he is learning from the inner voice. Okay? Then, there's a pastor there. But this pastor might need to travel there. I haven't spoken to the pastor, this is just what I'm thinking now. Okay? This pastor needs to go and travel there and preach to him. I've got money in my bank. So, God works in him to go there. God works in me to give it to him. So what's going to happen? The Macedonian call is going to be answered in this person that's in the bush. You see how we are part of this wonderful kingdom of God and how everything works together and we don't have to put a question over God's integrity, you know, when it comes to what if somebody dies and has not heard the gospel. The Father is preaching in His heart every day. And I solemnly believe that no person on the planet that comes to the place where He says, I want to, um, you know, he's gained knowledge from, from the Father's voice, that He will die without somebody sharing the gospel to Him. And if it would not be that anybody would share the gospel with Him, Jesus would appear to Him in a dream or in a vision. Who would appear to, G- who would appear to Paul? Do you think that Peter would preach to Paul? 
No, he's hunting Peter down. And gee, then Paul was kicking against the goats. So there was something that became difficult for him to kick against the goats. What does it mean to be difficult to kick against the goats? It means, I want to flow with this. And then in acts of rebellion, trying to force against this thing that he actually want to flow with, it's like, um, you know, it's a, bad ex- it's a bad scenario, but a good example. Imagine you're going out with this girl, okay? And you've been going out with her for two years, and now you see another girl. And now you start to feel a draw towards her. But you kick against it. After six months, it's now hard to kick against it. Because the draw is so strong. That you start to do radical things. So what, what, I, what, what I just feel is, when you get that draw, what's going to happen? When you yield, eventually it's so difficult to kick against it. You start to do radical things. Like Paul, it was so difficult for him to kick against the gospel and the inner voice that he decided, let me do radical things. I'm even going to kill the church now. And then God knew that nobody's going to preach to Paul because he's, he's persecuting the church. The church can't come to him. Then he appeared to him. So we don't have to ever think there's somebody who died on this planet without that, that, that's got any excuse. And I don't want to say it in a condemning way. What I want to say is our Father is actively involved in every human being's life on this planet. And for those of you that, that, that study Scripture, we don't have to try and change Scriptures. We don't have to throw away hundreds of Scriptures which talks about death coming to those who don't accept the gospel of God's unconditional love. There is no life out, outside of union with a loving Father. There's no life outside of that. And don't rebel against the old system of condemnation in such a way that you throw away what is true in the Bible. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Rather say, I don't understand. And say, Father, I'm going to obey the inner voice. And He will teach you. Amen. So, when you, and, and, and this is my encouragement for you as church. Inside you, and I'm sure through this message, there will become a, a greater awareness of the inner voice. Let's walk with it, man. Let's not wait until it's after a while so hard to kick against it. Let's just flow with it. Amen and amen. Inner voice on how to treat people. Inner voice on, on what to do for others. Inner voice on, on how to love each other. Inner voice on all those kind of things. It is there. Inner voice on understanding scriptures. Because God is actively involved in everybody's life. And we are part of it. We are His body. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank You that we today can stand with boldness. And we can know that we can preach Your Word, the truth, radically. Not being ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For we know there are sheep that has heard and learnt, ready to be led out of bondage when we come through the door. Thank you, Lord, that you give us such an eloquence of speech, such, such an accuracy in doctrine, that when we speak, it will be so 100% in line with the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit in those people's hearts that are out there, that they can in no way doubt about the, how valid this word is, and that they can follow the shepherd Outside, out of this bondage because of the truth that draws them. Father, 
If you don't draw, people can't come. If love is not somebody's thing, they will never be able to come to Jesus, for Jesus is all about love. And I thank you, Lord, that we don't even have to pray and say, oh, work in the hearts of people. <laughs> you the first preacher. This gospel was your plan from the very beginning. In the Old Testament, Father, according to Romans 1, it says that you've worked even in the hearts of the heathen to show to them through nature that there is a true God. And now you work in a different way. You work in the way of the gospel. There's a prompting towards innocence. There's a prompting towards love. Being loved by God. There's a prompting towards sit down and allow God to serve you. There's a prompting towards I cannot be defined by what I do. And thank you Lord that we as preachers can go and preach to those people. Everywhere in the world. In every tribe, tongue and nation. Where that call comes forth. Oh Lord, thank you that no one will die that has heard and learned without hearing the gospel of Jesus so they can call upon the name of Jesus to be saved. Prompting doesn't save us, but your gospel does. Jesus does. By faith, we have access into this grace. Thank you, Father. Our bodies, our minds, our inner being is made available. Our time, our family, our finances, everything, our vehicles is made available for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for helping those around us, for helping our families, for helping our children, for helping every person that is hearing and learning from the inner voice. Now scriptures make sense, my Father, it says you have the Holy Spirit and you know all things. Hallelujah. The scripture makes sense. I will write my law in their mind and in their hearts. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. amen. Hallelujah. I just, wanna, I just feel I want to do something for the people watching via the internet. If you're watching this for the very first time, and, and maybe the first time you're hearing about this message, and there's an inner drawer in your heart, and even if there's somebody here, there's an inner drawer in your heart that says, you know, there's something more. There was something better. There was something better than the law that I believed in, the condemnation that I was part of. And you want to make use of this good news. I want to give you that opportunity. And I want to pray with you today. Amen. When you can confess Jesus as your Lord, where you say, my church system is not my Lord anymore. Uh, my giving and sowing and reaping is not the Lord of my financial provision anymore. Jesus is my Lord. When you can say that, um, submission to a system is not the Lord of my protection anymore, but Jesus is my protection. And you've come to a, a, a word, plus you've gained knowledge, and now you've heard the truth, you've heard the resonance, but you want to make use of it? If that's you, I want to pray with you. Everybody here, let's pray with the people that's watching everywhere. <clears throat> if you are here in your heart, you can do it for yourself. Maybe even there's, there's areas in your life where you've heard that prompting, but now you hear the truth and we're making use of Christ. I want you to pray these words with me. You can just say in your heart, say, Lord Jesus, you took away all my sin. I'm 100% innocent. And guilt is not mine. My mind gets washed from a guilty conscience. For I'm conscious of you as my life. Father God, thank you for prompting me all these years. I make use of my innocence. 
I account myself as righteous and blessed before God because of the blood of Jesus. And all guilt, condemnation, enslavement to that which kills me, leaves me today because of the knowledge and the belief in what you've done for me. I make use of you, Lord, and I receive your quality of life today. Jesus is my Lord. I'm a free person. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. That's beautiful. I've enjoyed my message. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you so much.